Have you ever felt like you've got more in the tank and you know that there's more potential in you, especially in business? Jack came to set the standard and he ended up tripling his business within a couple of months. He has an email marketing company. Some of the tools and the tactics and the mindsets that we teach, we teach every two to three weeks in a free mindset webinar. This is an invite to you to come to that webinar. Just click the link below. It's the first link in the description and I'd love to see you guys there. Can't wait. Welcome to the About Wellbeing Podcast episode 24, baby. I'm here with Mikhail Kruhar. Yo, big flex from Bali. What's happening, man? A lot. A lot, man. <laughs> um, yeah, basically, Mikhail's like a really good friend of mine. He took the launch and moved to Bali like how many years ago was it now? Uh, we are 7th of July was my two year. So 18... 18 months? Coming up to 18 months? Soon. Yeah. 16 months. I thought you were there for longer than that. Anyway. Mm. No, my math is really bad. Like 16 months is not two years. I'm going to call myself on that before we go any further. Um, I'm there for like two and a half. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he is a, he's a videographer, he's a videographer, video director over there and he... Um, yeah, just some pretty crazy shit. If you guys haven't seen like or known about the stuff they do in Bali, they got like a whole lot of bunch of like biohacking and like just neck level meditational type of stuff, which obviously you can use to become one of your high performing best self. And I had one of the best experiences going over to Bali and I did like a whole bunch of breath work. I did some, you know, like some crazy sound healing therapy. I did some gnarly uh, meditations and like cacao ceremonies and stuff. All that Mikhail hooked me up with. And ended up going there and I had all, all the stuff that I'm doing now that you guys are seeing are literally from the meditation that I did in Bali. I wrote out a whole bunch of notes and I was like, this is what I need to fucking do. And it's taken me ages to sort of finally pull the trigger to do the stuff. And yeah, so huge thank you to Mikel for getting that sorted. So I want to give you guys a bit of an insight into his life because I've learned a lot from him and we can all learn a lot from him because he's over there living the biohacking meditation type of dream. He's doing like, he's done like, like I don't even know how many Vipassanas or Vipassanas. He's, uh, Vipassanas, if you guys don't know, is literally like 10 days of meditation, doing 10-hour meditations every single day. And like you, you don't talk to anyone, you don't eat much and do all these things and, and you do them in order to like let yourself grow as a human being, get like really clear on like you, your own minds and your reflective powers just go like neck level through the roof. So if you guys haven't listened to my podcast, episode 18, going into meditation, like that is a really good sort of introduction into some of the stuff like Mikel does. But he also is chasing his career, his purpose and his passion. And it's like, we've just got some awesome stories for you guys to share. So like there's some absolute, there's gonna be some absolute nuggets in here. I've actually got a, like a pad and um, pen and paper because I'm actually going to be taking notes of some of the stuff because like I'm full nerd out like that because I want to know what he's actually doing. And if anything's cool, I'll obviously put him in the show notes as well. So yeah, Mikhail, what was the backstory for you moving to Bali? My man, thanks for the intro. Um, and it was funny when you mentioned that you talked about the um, the sound therapy you done up in Ubud, and um, yeah, it was. I just remembered back to that when you came back from that, and you were just like, mine was ab- absolutely blown. And it's funny because there's so much stuff like that on offer over here that just becomes like the normal for us. It's just like, oh, yeah, like I done that like twice last week, you know, like it's just it's it's very cool. The um, 
the average way of processing and going about your life at home is so different to over here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so different, especially like, yeah, <laughs> like you said, you just go on a weekend. Oh, yeah, I just did like a crazy sound therapy. I did some gnarly meditation. I did some of this stuff. I got mm. clear. I figured this out. I got really like clear on exactly what something that I wanted to do or something like this. And I had this amazing moment. And it's literally like you guys do it every weekend. Here it's like you never do it unless you go away. And we mm. should be doing it. So, yeah. So, yeah. Back to the backstory, man. How did you, uh, what was, what's the backstory of you making the decisions to go to Bali and how did you come about getting into this style of things and also becoming like a video director in like a, uh, like an entrepreneurial group that are like super mm. passionate and you're literally doing exactly what you want, living your dreams. Yeah, man. Um, it's, it's funny because, um, for, I have such a standard upbringing. Like I have a mum and dad that like are my best friends and I actually worked side by side with my dad in construction and building renovations for eight years. And I'm super proud to say we never argued once in that eight years. Um, we have a really good relationship. <laughs> with my dad for a while, we fucking argued. <laughs> and um, I was always the kid in school that was just really good at sports and I was really good at, getting through school doing the absolute minimal being like I was really good at figuring out ways to cheat past things so I didn't actually have to do the work I'm starting to find that's catching up on me and it's ingrained some bad habits when it actually comes to life um but yeah I like I finished up school I got kicked out of one um my entrepreneurial streak started kind of early I was one of the first kids in school to get wi-fi uh not wi-fi but I dial up internet I'm really showing my age now and I leveraged that by what do 13, 14-year-old boys want? They want to see naked women. So, like, I started downloading photos and videos and burning CDs and selling them out of my locker at school. Oh, no way. Um, I then went from that and I was like, this is okay, money. And then there was, like, a small period in my life where um, I sold a bit of weed. I never smoked it, though. And I was just, like, I was just chasing the dollar. And from then, I just like every, a lot of things I'd done in my life, I was always chasing the dollar. And we go over all those years, you know, I had that job eight years being a subcontractor with my dad doing bathroom renovations. In that eight years, I tried so many different jobs. I tried like, uh, I was doing internet and email marketing. I was doing network marketing. And that's such an interesting, um, it's an interesting career job or thing to do. Because I found when I really checked in with myself and what I'm really getting to the end of this point is like I was forever chasing the money. And when I really checked in my, with myself, it just wasn't – it was I was living out of alignment for a few years. And I also fr – from that, like I found myself going into every single conversation like trying to pitch something. And I was always trying to find a way to make money. When I really checked in and I dove into 12 weeks coaching with my boy Javon Langford, um, we went in on some shit. And what came from that is like I always had a, like a dream inside of me, like a small little dream to speak at high schools. I wanted to, to, you know, change kids' lives and make a difference in the world. And it was so funny because I'd done that for a little bit. And then I was leaving a school once and I didn't feel like, like I didn't feel like overwhelming, like an overwhelming sense of love that I was like, yo, I'm making a difference. And I really judged myself for that. So I was like, yo, you're going to schools. Kids are crying. They're thanking you. They're all adding you on Instagram and messaging you about what they're going through. And like, it doesn't light you up. And I had like a point. It's like, you'd know this when you do bodybuilding competitions. There's this such a big buildup. 
And that's this thing I've always wanted to do and you do it and it's the day and then afterwards you're like, oh man, like it's over, it's done. And for me, like I went through like a tough time there because I was like, this is something I'd always want, I thought I always want to do it. And like a big thing in life is what you think you want to do compared to actually doing it when you see the reality of what it is, sometimes it's very different. From there, I started to pick up a camera and I wanted to be a YouTube star. Again, chasing the dollar. And I started doing vlogs. I done some like I was. I wanted to do daily vlogs, um, actually, for a little bit. And I did do that a little bit. And you can find some old ones on YouTube. They're terrible, so don't even go there. And then I put the camera down because I wasn't getting subscribers. Nothing was happening for me. And a friend of mine, Ellie, just asked me one day. She's like, "What would you do every single day, whether you're paid for it or not?" And for me, that was create content. And when I like when I really stood back and changed my perception on shooting with a camera, that's when I started just shooting for people and creating for others. And that's what really excited me. Like we made a video together and I used to absolutely love, like I still love doing that. And it was just so funny that like everything I'd done in life was so intentional for the dollar. When that shifted, everything started coming to me. I started to get jobs. I was getting paid. I was getting paid really good money for the work I was doing. And I picked up a camera for like two, three months. Um, the story of not being good enough to be able to do it was just out the window because like, I'm passionate about this. I'm doing it. it. All of that's irrelevant. I got YouTube, like YouTube University, man. That taught me like everything I know. And all the lessons I've been doing in these businesses over the years, they weren't failures. Everything I'd learned had come into play when it came to picking up a camera. Like my business negotiation contracts, getting people on board, like shooting organization was on point. It's just my camera skills that need to level up. And um, it was always, it was coming to Bali was always um, a story that me and like one of my best mates, Glenn, Glenn would talk about over a couple of beers. We'd be two, three, 10, 15 beers deep. And we'd be like, you know, let's move here. Let's move to Bali. Me and Glenn used to go to Bali like every year for quite a while. And um, yeah, one day I was just like, let's do it. Like, I'm not sure if I'm ready, but this is something I've always wanted to do. And I literally cleared up all my debt at home, sold the work van, stepped away from the business, and I was like, I literally do not have an overhead in my life right now. I've got X amount of dollars in the bank, and I'm just going to go there, and I've got this amount of time to figure it out, and it all came together, man. So when you got to Bali, what happened? <laughs> when I got to Bali, it was um, What were the was interesting. When you, when you got to Bali, what were the, like, the biggest struggles that come up? The biggest struggles, I'm a really good networker. So the networking side of things, like every single person I was speaking to, I was getting contacts, I was seeing who they knew, who I could shoot for. So that wasn't a struggle. But the struggle was like, I went over there, um, I went over there to vol volunteer in one of the like party, party hostels in Semenyak. Now, that was like, I was like, cool, no overheads, free food, free accommodation, free scooter, a little bit of money a month. Um, and I can shoot around that. The thing was, this job was six at night till midnight, six nights a week. And I thought that was okay. And it was fun for the first week. But I really like figured out within that first couple of weeks, like this was 19-year-old Mikel's dream. This isn't 30-year-old Mikel's dream anymore. And I actually like a few times in my life I've done this where I said to the manager, I was like, yo, like I know it's going to cost me a bunch more to go rent my own villa and all that. But 
me being in this environment is so comfortable that I have free food, free accommodation, everything. I don't need to get another shoot next week. There's no pressure on me to deliver and execute my ideas because I'm living for free. I could casually hang out here, drink with people, tell some stories and slide into that life. And what I found was when I actually put myself under pressure, I always perform better. So I said to him like, you know, next week I'm out. And in that, like, I don't know if it's like a universal thing or what, but within me saying that in one week, I got asked to come on board as a partner of a startup company. And this is again, like the importance of really knowing yourself because I had a, I had a decision that week where I started my own podcast as well. It's called The Project. I'm not doing it anymore because I'm really concentrating with Yogi Lab, the, the startup I'm a part of. Um, I, had a, I, was, I had Aaron, one of the partners of Yogi Lab, on my podcast. And they said, you know, next week we're doing this charity shoot. Um, it's, we're going three, four hours north Bali. It's the driest part of Bali. Um, they don't have, like, they literally don't have anything. They drive all the way down three hours to beg on the side of the road and drive back for like five, six dollars a day. Like there's not much going on up there. There's no infrastructure. There's no businesses. There's no tourists. There's barely any rain. Now, some of these people walk five, six hours a day to get water. And he said that to me and I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll see. At the same time, on the exact same day, and this was like a test, it was like I met a girl who managed a lot of models and was launching an agency and everything. And they're like, yo, we're having a boat party. We're having a boat party. There's going to be two, 300 models. There's going to be all these owners, owners of businesses this like this is going to be an amazing opportunity if you you connect and this job was paying it was paying a lot it was paying a lot to go and shoot and like i had a i had a decision there where i could go and do this and network and still dive into that party life and get photos with pretty girls and all that or i could like really chase what i actually wanted to do and like what lit me up was like that passion purpose and like that documentary like documenting what's really going on in the world like, what is my work doing? How's that making a difference? Shooting bikini girls is great. And it's like, it's great in a way. It's, it's very easy is what I mean. You shoot them. They look amazing. You post the photo. Of course, you're going to get the likes and followers, but it's not really stepping into like what really lit me up on si- inside. So I made the decision to go do the charity shoot, which was like a six hour hike. All my shit got dusty. Um, it was, it was intense carrying all my camera gear, trying to get all the shots and it paid next to nothing. What led from that was me meeting the guys and really genuinely connecting with them. Like one of the things I always say to people when there's been um, a couple of guys I've coached and taken on board briefly, and it's so important to share your passion. Like for me, sharing my passion with them and while I was in Bali and what I actually want to do was the thing that opened the door. And there was no intention behind it. I didn't know what they were doing. I didn't know the Yogi Lab was going to start soon. I didn't know these guys were all a part of it. I was just sharing genuinely what lit me up. And that was a very defining point um, for my life here in Bali that I'm so glad I went on that dusty eight-hour hike. Um, and it introduced me to the guys I still, I like right now see as like brothers and family in my life. All right. What was the exact epiphany moment you had when you were just like, oh, my God? Epiphany moment for what? You knew that what you were doing 
because you joined a part of the yoga lab, you got made a video director for the people who don't know that. And then you started actually implementing and executing and working with these guys, making a huge difference. And then you got involved as part of the yoga lab. You got opened up to the whole biohacking world because the guys work at the Astana in Bali. If you haven't seen any of the Astana photos, like look at my Instagram. The Astana is literally probably one of the most gorgeous places in Bali. And they have absolutely everything biohacking wise. When you started working in there, doing all that stuff, getting involved in the biohacking, diving deep into meditation, diving deep into your health and using all of those different tools to work extremely well, to get yourself high performing as best as possible, to create the best content as possible, to get clear on exactly what you guys were doing. When you actually started that work, what was the epiphany moment when you were just like, I've arrived? I think one step back before that was the day I got asked to come up and um, I didn't know I was walking into a meeting to be asked to be a partner of a company and I signed the contract and walked out and for me, like I filmed a video that I, I posted on my Instagram a couple of years back now, um, but I was like crying. I was like, yo, I fucking done it. Like all the things that I'd been learning along the way that I've been implementing, there was always this little bit of like doubt, like, oh, this guy done it, that guy done it. I'm doing it, but I'm yet to really see what it is I want. Um, or I have that check of like, I've achieved this. And when that happened, it was just like, too like i was i only had a camera for a year and a half or so that whole year and a half and not even that the last 10 years of my life everything that i was trying to level up and improve on all just came to fruition in that one moment and it was just over it was fucking overwhelming man like it was it was an epiphany moment it was like yo like you can fucking do this you got this um and that's like when i got my tattoo here i don't know if you can see it. it's got we've got this and um it's just like for me to check in when i'm ever doubting myself to like let myself know I've got my back in that moment. And that was a big epiphany moment for me. Um, I guess the next one after that was the first Vipassana I went on. I, um, I started to play a lot of self-doubt in the, in the business and the company because they brought another videographer on board. And I was like, yo, are they trying to vet me out against him? And he was really good. He'd been shooting for like five, six years. Everything he shot, everyone was just like, yo, that's unreal. I'd shoot something, they're like, oh, change this, change that. Yeah, that's cool. And I was just like, that was eating me up. And we went, to this, we went to this Vipassana and I was like, yo, do I really want to do this? <laughs> what is a Vipassana? A Vipassana, like you said before, like the, just like the tangible things of it is um, 10 hours a day meditation for 10 days. And essentially uh, a lot of the times there's like an intermittent fasting kind of aspect. You eat twice a day. Old students only eat once a day. It's always a vegan or vegetarian based menu um, and the portions are very small and you're not exposed to much a few vegetables a bit of rice that's kind of it um, during this during these 10 days there's upwards of 10 to 12 hours meditation a day a lot of the sits look like one hour two hour or three hour sits and you essentially sit on a meditation cushion in a room with 100 other people and they slowly guide you through the process of vipassana so the first technique is anapana meditation, which is heightened awareness, bringing awareness to the triangular area on your nose and just underneath your nose and your upper lip. The thing is when we gather our awareness, because we have so much going on in life and we bring it back to this one center point, we're building up like, like if you had like a wide laser and you really brought that down, you can really start to cut through like the conditioning and complex of who you've built and who you've manifested over the years. It's 
giving you the ability to see reality for what it really is. Like I replayed a lot of things in my life during that. Um, you get to watch the movie of your life. We went to Malaysia. Uh, we went to, I've done four now. So Malaysia, uh, Nepal, uh, Malaysia, Nepal, Sri Lanka, and then the Astana in Bali. So you started yeah. playing a movie of your life. Yeah. Um, I hadn't meditated much in my life. And for me to go in there, like, and anyone who's listening to this, like, if you only meditate a little bit or the most you've done is an hour, two hours, half an hour, couple times, it's daunting. It's a lot of shit comes up. It's like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to sit there for 10 hours a day and get up at 4 a.m. and go to bed at 10 p.m.? Like, I wasn't sure if I could do it. But when you go in as a crew and you go overseas, you're like, you know, like I can't, I can't be the guy that leaves when everyone else is doing this. Um, yeah, so essentially that's, that's what a Vipassana looks like. It's something that Buddha taught back in the day and it's something that's been passed down the ages. A lot of meditation techniques are kind of new age in the way they've only been around for a couple hundred years or so. This is just stripped back to the bare essentials of what's proven to work time and time again. There's no variables. It's like, this is what works. Sit and practice this. It's, it's the simplest of things. And it's amazing what the insights this can give, not only in personal life, but business and everything else. And getting back to the epiphany moment that you had during this first Vipassana. Yeah, I was, I was really unsure um, if I was going to stay with the Yogi Lab. And I shared this with the guys after, like I, I wanted to go out and do my own thing. And part of what that sit gave me was a lot of clarity, clarity around the reality of my life right now. I'm in Bali. I'm working with dudes who have all like, they've got multiple businesses in uh, Bali. They've had businesses back at home. They've worked in startups. They've been professional athletes. Like this is just like, this is what our crew is kind of made up of. Um, and, and they've all got my back. They're all so honest with me when they see I'm like, when they see I'm down or I'm not feeling well, there's just honest, authentic conversations. When I'm not showing up and I'm not delivering on a business sense, there's honest or authentic conversations. It's, there's no judgment. It's like, yo, you should be doing this because we're doing this. It's like, yo, how can I support you in what you're currently doing right now? And when I really, when I, yeah, when I checked in with that, I was like, yo, these guys have been doing the work. And if I'm willing to put in the work, they're going to come with me. Like we're all going to do this together. Um, so any idea of leaving that, it was just like pff, out the window, like these guys are the real deal. Um, I guess my experience with meditation was very like, it was very limited before then, but I had a couple of crazy experiences in my life um, that stripped away things I was carrying for upwards of 20 years uh, in a moment. Yeah. How so? I can start with the first story. Um, when I was 24 years old and I used to have a lot of, a lot of shit come up and ego around even sharing this because, um, I was like, I was scared of the dark. Like my whole life I was scared of the dark. And I remember there was this point in my life when I was like 13, 14, where I woke up and I heard a crying girl in the corner and I could hear her crying. And I was like, yo, who's like, who's there? Is anyone there? And she kept crying and crying and crying. And you know, when you're a kid, what you do, you hide under the sheets. And I was just like, this is, this is going to go away. This is going to go away. And that sat with me for so long. 
And I don't know if it was something that actually happened or it didn't, but um, I was always scared of the unknown in the darkness. And I was sitting on my bed meditating when I was like 24, 25, and I was just about to go to bed and I started like a little bit of a practice. So I was building up a little bit of awareness and, and pressure in my meditation practice. And it's funny thinking back to it now. I was sitting there and I was using white noise. I was using like white noise for meditation for a fair bit back then. And I was sitting there and all of a sudden, I just felt this shift in energy in the room. And it felt like I had shrunken down to like a little boy and I was sitting on my bed. And while I was sitting on my bed, I felt this, you watch Harry Potter? What's the name of those? Dementor. It was like a Dementor. Like now, now that I see it more as like a spirit. Come under the door, come up over my bed as I'm sitting there and get bigger and bigger. I don't know if you see, I got goosebumps now telling this shit. And bigger and bigger and bigger. And I was sitting there and there's a part of me inside that's like, yo, open your eyes, open your eyes, open your fucking eyes, open your eyes right now. You need to open your eyes. There was another part of me that was just like, let it be. Like stay in this, like feel into this and experience this. And that was like, that felt like maybe 20, 30 minutes. It was probably 30 seconds. And when I sat there, my heart was racing. I was getting hot. I was sweating. It felt like everything had shifted. And then I sat, I waited. And in a moment, the whole thing went out the room. Everything cleared. My body temperature came back down. And I wasn't ready to open my eyes yet. I'm like, I'm going to sit in this for another five minutes or so. And I opened my eyes and I wasn't even sure what just happened. I was just kind of like, okay, that was really weird. I'm going to go to bed. Then I started to notice I was never scared of the dark again. Like I was walking to the kitchen like a boss, like getting water at 11 o'clock at night. I didn't care if the lights were on or on or off. Like it was, um, that was gone. That whole complex and conditioning I've been creating for years and years and years disappeared in a moment. And I didn't have an understanding of what happened until now later on in my life when I'm starting to really meet people that are just like gurus and teachers in this, like what actually unfolded that night. And that was something that always sat with me. I'm like, if that can happen with me sitting 30 minutes a night for a couple of weeks in a row, like what's possible if I dive into a 10 day Vipassana? Because I'd heard about it and I'd been curious to it, but I'd been fucking scared to do it. Um, so yeah, that was my like, my like opening to the, the world of meditation and possibilities, man. <laughs> yeah. So when you got asked, so was this before the Vipassana? Yeah, this was back when I was 24. Okay. And then, so then yeah. you sat the Vipassana. Then mm. what happened in the Vipassana? I let go of another big condition. And the thing is, you, you can go in with an intention, but the process you go through and what it delivers for you is you don't get to decide that. What needs to come through comes through in the time. And I really struggled day four. Day four was tough for me. Yeah, I was, day four was the hardest for me. Day four was everything in my life came up. Every time I picked, picked on someone in school, being mean to someone, um, treated a girl badly, um, left a relationship unsaid, um, verbally abused someone, like everything that went bad in my life that I saw as a bad moment, I, it all came up. And I was like, I want to get out. I don't want to, I don't want to like, this isn't me. Like, I don't want to, I really didn't want to look at those parts of myself. Um, and day four is tough because you've done four days. You've still got four more 
and you've got two more. So like when you start playing that concept in your head, you're like, I've got to go through all of this and another 50% of it. Um, and I was like, I'm, I want to leave. I, I, I wanted to leave. And then the next day I woke up, I was a little bit better. Day six, I was like, okay, like, let's sit with this. And shit just started coming through, man. Like when you really surrender to the practice and you can sit in that, um, essentially it's a c- controlled stress state. And when you put yourself in this little bit of discomfort, and you really turn the pressure up on your practice. If you sit for 30, sit for 45, sit for an hour, sit for an hour and a half, practice aditana. Aditana is a sit of determination. You don't move a bit, not even a centimeter for like two hours. And you start to feel like complexes come up. Oh, I don't need this. I'm, I, this, this shit, like I could do this. I just don't want to do it right now. My, knee's too, my knee hurts too much. My back's too sore. People don't feel like I do. Like this is harder for me than the other guy. I ate too much at lunch. I'm a bit tired. Like all these, like anything your mind comes up with to get you out of that, to not face off with yourself, whether it's ego or whatever it is, will come up. And that's the power of the practice. Uh, one uh, thing they teach is equanimity. Equanimity is non-reactiveness. So things come up and they go away and you're not, there's no craving, no aversion. And I mean this with good as well. You can have a great meditation. My head is just like pulsating. It feels euphoric. It's like, if I was to call an orgasm a 10, it's like a 7 and your body's like vibrating. You can't like, it's also, it's great to have that, but like to be able to step back from that and not have the craving, but then not have the aversion to the pain as well. Like I had pain in my lower back that I'd been seeing a physio for two years that went away in that 10 day sit. My girlfriend had a full shoulder um, reconstruction where she was in a machine and a chair that would move her arm like that. She'd seen physios, therapists, everything for years. She sat a 10-day Vipassana without having the intention to fix that. And she came out of it and she was like, the day we left, she put her arm up. She's like, she could only go to here. And she's going like back here. And she felt a ball of energy like dissolve during that sit. And like this, this just started like opening my mind and stuff. I was like, what? Why? what's happening? Because I was always such a physical person. Got to roll out the muscles. Got to train more. Um, got to do anything I physically can instead of going internally. Like, what can I fix externally to fix this right now? And during that, during that meditation, um, it was day eight. Um, I had, actually it was day six, I'll correct myself. I was sitting in a sit and this was when I was like, I'm st- I think I'm good now. I want to stay here. I want to do this. I had bang, 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 three quick flashes of my dad dying in three different ways. And me and my dad are boys. Like I said, we worked for eight years together side by side in hot, sweaty bathrooms for hours on end and never argued once. And I was like, I need to message home. Like surely they'll just let me email, text, something just to check in if they're all right. And I had like resistance to do it because I know when you do that, that's breaking the rules. Um, So I sat in it and then the next meditation, it just kept coming up and I had this sadness that was coming through me. I was like, fuck, like my dad's, my dad's gone. Like this feels so real. And then in one of the sits the next day, so we're moving on to day seven now, he, he came through on a meditation to me and I got to see, like, this is when you get to see the reality of the situation. I was so fucking thankful that we have such a dope relationship, that he was my team manager on basketball for five years, drove me to every game, we went interstate on trips, we worked together, we played golf, like all these amazing things. I was like, yo, like, even if he is gone right now, we had a dope life together. 
And that was such a realization in that for me, man. Um, and then I sat the rest of the sit. I had some more crazy shit going at the end in day 10. Um, but that was like the first thing that just changed for me. Yeah. <laughs> day 10. Now I'm going to get a bit weird on you. Um, and like one thing I really want to preface as well is like my experience is my experience. Like I know a lot of people have gone to Vipassana left on day three, left on day one, left on day eight, not experienced anything. I know some people have gone to four or five and on their fifth one, their whole world changed. I know people who have gone to one and their world changed on day one. Um, it's, it's so different and relative to everyone. Like, so one thing, if anyone does go to one, like just drop any expectation of the practice. And if you read and you research, cool, that's other people's opinions, but don't, I went in with an expectation something's going to happen on day four because I'd read about a guy that had an amazing experience on day four. And that would, that would, that changes everything. It, you close yourself off and you, you narrow your view to one way of things happening. And it, it doesn't allow for everything else that could come into your field and come into your world. So I just wanted to say that um, before I share this story on day 10. <laughs> I sat in a meditation on day 10. It was Aditana. So it's a two hour sit. And I'm like, you don't move. And obviously your eyes closed. And the amount of times you just want to open your eyes just to check the clock just that once. Which like, it's got to be five more minutes. It's got to be two more minutes. And then you hear the bell go and it's just like, oh my God, I made it. Like there's so much like, it's like running a marathon. It's, I would actually find that harder than running the marathon. I can run, I can do the gym, I can do all that stuff. This is different, man. And um, day 10, I, I was in at the end of this sit. It was a two hour sit and I came out of it and I was like in this weird kind of everything it was like if you'd like just microdosed a little bit. Everything was kind of just flowing and moving a little bit. Um, and I, I stood up, re everyone left the room and I stood up last. And then every step I took, there was so much awareness in every step. Like my heel, side of my foot, my toes, my pinky, my big toe. My, like, and I could just feel everything. It's amazing how much is going on in our body that we're not aware to at the time. And I remember sitting outside the meditation hall. I was like, yeah, I just need a moment. Like I'm not sure if I'm back yet. And I looked at this, um, it was like this bush and the, the leaves were about this big and I remember it just rained and I saw this leaf and it was like, it was perfect. It was like, remember the land before time of the dinosaurs? Yeah, oh, yeah, bro. Remember the big leaf they always used to eat? It was like one of them. And I was like, this leaf is perfect. That This leaf is beautiful. <laughs> Not being in that state now, looking back, it sounds kind of weird, I get it. Um, and as I'm looking at this leaf, all my awareness is on this one leaf and everything around it is just moving like and flowing. And it's like, you know, when you stare at something and it's really comfortable and you just want to stay there and your friend's talking to you and you're just like, just hold on. This is really comfortable. It's like a holy moment. And then this guy started walking past it. And as he's about to walk past, I'm like, oh shit, he's going to ruin, he's going to ruin my leaf for me. Like, bro, this is, this is amazing. Don't do this. But at the same time, no talking, no eye contact, no communication. He walks past. And his body literally goes around the leaf to the other side and continues. And I'm sitting there like, yo, did anyone else just see that? Like, did anyone else just see that shit? And everyone's going about doing their thing. And I was like, I want to go back to my room. <laughs> like, I'm not sure about this. I go back to my room and I'm laying there on my bed. And the room is like, some, some of these centers resemble a jail cell, similar to what a jail cell would look like. Some are a little bit nicer. And um, 
I'm laying there, I'm looking at the ceiling, and I feel this sudden urge to get up and stand up. So I stand up, and I look in the mirror, and I see my eyes just come down, my eyebrows just come down like this, my eyes go really dark, and it like I looked like like kind of demonic in a way. And from that, my back leg kicked up, and it kicked like three times, like uncontrollably. I wasn't controlling this at all. And then I stopped, and I was like, hold on, is this just me like, wanting something to happen or manifesting something. And then I kicked my leg and I was like, that was different. Like I done that before it wasn't me doing that. That settled down, that went away and I laid down and I was like, what just happened? I I have a couple of ideas about what that complex was and what I let go of in that sit. Um, And I guess I'll share it. Like the one realization I've had in the last six months with what I let go of right then was and this is something I'm quite comfortable sharing and it's something I would have been very adverse to sharing uh, quite a while ago, was like I'd objectify. Just stopping you there. So you've got clear on this in the last six months. When did you sit the Vipassana? Uh, it was... Just roughly. October 2018. So that's like firm two years ago and you've just got clear on over the past six months. So I just wanted yeah. to... Say that, like this is how the power of these things last a long time. You're constantly figuring out. Sorry, continue. Good point, man, because that was just an experience then. And like what I think it is now, because I've noticed in myself, I'm like, my thought patterns have completely changed. Um, and coming away from that, like back in the world I was in, I was in the gym all the time, you know, we're going to music festivals, um, going out all the time. And I was, I was like always objectifying women. Like I, I'd look, I'd look at a girl and I'd just look at tits and ass and I look at her face. And like, I wasn't seeing people for who they really were. I wasn't seeing women for who they were, to be completely honest. And what this, what I feel like this was letting go of, because ever since then, when I really take like inventory of my last two years, when I look at a woman now, I, I see like a person, I don't see tits and ass. And there's a physiological part of me that does see that. Like, let's be real. We're like, we're men. We're attracted to women. Like, I'm not going to sit here and like, you know, say against that. But the lens I view them through now is different. And it has been for the last couple of years. And I don't know if that's still true. I don't know. Um, I don't know if that is what I let go of, but it's been a development. Maybe it's been a development of other things in my character over the last couple of years. But I truly felt like that was something that just shifted from that retreat. Mm. So what do you think from that retreat as a whole, just for people that would like, I guess, really relate to, what are the main things that you have taken away from it? So the main things you've taken away from it, number one, so remember that one, and then number two, what are the things that you implement every day that are now different? What did you take away and what do you implement every day now that's different? Mm. Other than coffee, I love coffee. Yeah, I love coffee. Um, can you hit me with that second question again? Other oh, first question again, sorry. First question is, mm. um, well, let's just do the second question. What do you do every single day now? That is, <laughs> you forgot to <laughs> that you implement from it. Um, I think the first question was like my takeaway from, yeah, my lessons from the Vipassana. That's, um, it's being able to see reality for what it is. Like we build up and this is like Dave, like the founder of Yogi Lab and 
the founder of the Astana always teaches on. Um, and he references this exact point is as we go through life, we're like a camera. And as we go through life and things happen to us, traumatic experiences or whatever that is, we start to view the world in a certain way. So we're stacking lenses on top of each other. Oh, this happened. That's my view on this now. Oh, this happened. That's my view on this now. This happened. That's my view on this now. So we start to look at the world through this singular lens with all these layers of our conditioning and complexes. That are my dogs, by the way. And this Vipassana allows us to sit, replay the movie of our life, and see it for exactly what it is, and slowly remove these lenses. And having a constant practice keeps bringing you back to that. Vipassana is like an intense, concentrated period that allows you to change that there and then. Um, so, yeah, for me, it's like forever asking the question, is this me or is this a complex of conditioning I'm giving into? And so it's like you said before, it's something that always sits with you as you go through life. Um, the second question again. Yeah. So the second question was what do you do every single day from now on that you've implemented from the experiences in the Vipassana? Uh, I'd love to say I was meditating every day, but I'm not. <laughs> um, the practice of the Anapana and the Vipassana technique like, is something that I, I carry through every time I do meditate when I do. Uh, the big thing is the technique itself, not just when you sit on the cushion. You know, when I'm riding my scooter around or something like that, like bringing my awareness back to the breath and just centering myself on that. It's not something that I have a rigid daily practice that every single day I do that. I would love to have that. And I'm sorry. For me, it seems like you've really developed the skill. And once you've gotten good yeah. developed a skill, you can tap back into that very regularly. The same way as you build muscle, you build muscle, you're going to have muscle around for a long period of time until eventually, obviously it goes, but you've done the same thing. You've gone there, you've done the passion of mental, mental skill and you've got this skill and you've taken that back and then you can, it, in, you implicate that every single day in just things that you are doing. Mm. It it turns into a yeah. It turns into a meditation is something you take everywhere. Like we're so conditioned to think it's something like when you sit, it starts and stops there. But you bring that awareness through every aspect of your life. So after the vipassana, when you got back to the yoga lab. Kind of what happened? What was the main thing you got, like, I guess, really clear on, like, for as far as, like, living out what you wanted to do with those guys? Um, for me, it was just knowing, like, we're in this together and, like, I'm fucking doing this and shit's going to come up. Like, a lot of shit's going to come up. You try, to, you try to build a startup overseas with five other guys from five different countries there's a lot of different perceptions and views on the world, but there's also like a lot of just like calling people out. Like I said before, when you're not showing up, like your ego gets fucking bruised. Like it's like what I discovered, I was, when I was doing the videography thing, it was cool. When I was doing the bathroom renovation thing, it was cool because it was me dealing with customers. There was no accountability. When you have five guys that are all putting the work in like you and like when you start to slip, they're like, yo, what's up? Let's go. Like we're still going. That's tough, man. Because when I work by myself, it's like, you know what? I'm a bit tired today. Let me treat myself. A bit of self-love. You know, might go get a massage, whatever. 
But when you're working with them, it's just like, it's different, man. It's a different game. I get it. I get it. So from there, Yogi Lab at the Astana, you've done the Vipassana's mental clarity, mental cleanse. For anyone that's not listening, uh, everyone who's listening, by the way, I've just got some notes. I'm going to quickly share those with you right now. What, what I, like my biggest takeaways because people listening definitely want to take them, uh, take them away. So I've got these, these are some of the things I'm just going to quickly note down real quickly before I get into the next chapter of the podcast. So being uncomfortable and putting yourself under pressure can change your life. The importance of knowing yourself um, can get you there. Um, it's so important actually sharing your passion and speaking your truth with your passion because by actually verbalizing it allows you to start getting closer to it. Vipassana equals epic clarity. Um, honest, authentic conversations are so important. Um, they are a side effect of, uh, well, they help increase emotional intelligence and as a part of emotional intelligence as a group helps you bring on uh, success. Um, being scared of the unknown and the darkness, letting it be and staying like staying in it and sitting into it and diving into the darkness itself can transform you. Don't narrow your view. Um, cause by obviously the conditioning that you're saying, our views can narrow. So by unwinding all those things and trying to have an open view and an open mind can be extremely beneficial for yourself. And I guess just executing on stuff that you want to do with your life. So much is going on in our bodies that we are not aware of. I think that was fucking huge. I find myself just through lifting so long and dancing and all the rest of it and doing meditation things. I'm pretty connected with the things in my body, but I'm that aware. And I find that um, some psychedelics and things have really helped out, but that I think is so absolutely critical. Taking the moments of that, huge. Um, some of the lessons that you learned was seeing reality for what it actually is and actually looking at us as like we're a camera that have put in a whole bunch of lenses for the conditioning that we've had from early childhood to where we're obviously we are now and that a huge part of responsibility for just ourselves and bettering ourselves is removing those lenses because those lenses narrow our focus we want to open those up so that we are open to experiences and uh open ourselves up to our actual true selves which then are going to allow us to if you guys haven't seen my hierarchy on my podcast do listen to that climb that hierarchy get up and make some goddamn impact live the life you want to live and the question um, that you've taken back from the Vipassana, which is a huge one, is, is this me? Like just constantly thinking this to yourself for everything that you're doing is, is this me or is this condition? So thank you, bro. I got fucking heaps out of that. That was huge. Mm. Next point I wanted to get into was the biohacking stuff. So what biohacking stuff are you currently doing and how has it um, made a difference in your life as far as your health and how you feel and your energy? Just a quick time check. Where are we looking for that camera? We've got 10 minutes, so we keep going. Cool. Dope. For anyone at home, we have a 30-minute timer on the camera. It wants to shut off for some reason, so that's why we're checking. Um, biohacking. Um, I used to think biohacking was how to get over a hangover really quick. <laughs> it, like, is, it is. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is as well, but like that was the top tip of the iceberg, not the whole thing. Um, yeah, it's a couple of the things I do, like, like to give you a bit of an idea of my week um, and my, like, weekly routine, um, we at Yogi Lab, um, actually, I will speak a bit on Yogi Lab as well. We haven't got there yet. But um, my weekly routine looks like we do intensives on Mondays and Tuesdays. So we start about eight uh, work intensives, 
at the Astana. So we start at about 8, 9 a.m. And then sometimes we can finish at 4 a.m. Sometimes we can finish at 8 p.m. Um, but they're normally like they're pretty much like a solid 12 to 14 hour day. Then the rest of the week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, um, I'm also 10 hour, 8 to 10 hour days. Um, it depends what we're in at the moment, but there's been quite a few times when we're sitting drinking Red Bulls at 1 a.m. And we're all very health conscious, but sometimes, hey, when you got to get shit done, you just got to get shit done. Um, so that's kind of my like my life right now. The last two years, I've seen six-day working weeks, 10-hour days for that amount of time. And it's become a normal, which is triggering sometimes. There's a lot of people in, in, in Bali not doing much. Um, you can live here very cheap. And there's a lot of people here that don't do shit. And it, it triggers me, to be honest. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, aside from my annoyances from other people sometimes. Um, the biohacking is, I think I didn't realize how good it is until I step away from it for a bit because it becomes a normal. You know, I'm doing five to six cryotherapies a week, um, which is a chamber the Astana has. Uh, when you, your first room, and it's not one of the, the liquid nitrogen ones where you like have your head out, it's a full chamber. So the benefits in that are so much higher because as you know, like your body's thermostat's up here. And if you can sink into the room, um, listening is in between your eyes. So mm. yeah. um, it's minus 10, minus 60, then minus 110. Corey came over and done it as well. You, I guess you can kind of tell us how, what your experience was like in there. Like yeah, I went there and it was fucking freezing. It was great. We tried to get in. I can't remember. Was it going to do like four minutes or something, whatever it is? And I almost got there. But at the end, I was like, wait, no, I'm fucking freezing. Let's get out. And then we jumped. <laughs> But it was, yeah, amazing. Felt great. It's the coldest. I've been to a cryotherapy in Adelaide, um, and that was awesome. Loved it. But, like, the one that you started, it was so much colder. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so the cryotherapy I'm doing, like, five, six times a week. I'm doing ice baths five, six times a week. Um, at the Astana, they've got an ice bath, which is normally around four to five degrees. have got a hot bath, which is about 45, hot plunge. And hot bath. Fucking hot. Like, <laughs> Bro, I know. As fuck. <laughs> um, Dave, the uh, the founder of the place, is a man of extremes. Um, and, yeah, it's hot. <laughs> so you've got that, you've got an infrared sauna, and then you've got, like, a, um, a purpose-built reverb sound dome that anyone that sings, if you think you're even okay in the shower, this thing will just, like, put you up on the charts. Um, so that's a steam room as well. Uh, they've also got a float tank from the float lab. If you, the float lab kind of sounds familiar. I, still, I feel like I'm doing a, a commercial now. Um, the float lab is the same guy who built Joe Rogan's, a guy called Crash. He's, have you ever met someone who just like their whole life revolves around one small thing, whether it's like Pokemon cards, um, bodybuilding or whatever that is, his is float tanks. Uh, so those things are unreal. Uh, I've had some crazy experiences in there as well. Um, <laughs> But yeah, my, my like weekly routine is pretty much the cryo, the cold. Uh, I do four to five infrared saunas a week. As well, you get the hyperbaric. Yes, yeah. the hyperbaric chamber as well. So I probably should do more of the hyperbaric and float. Um, but the cryotherapy is five minutes. The ice bath is five minutes. So it's really good to be able to just quickly go in, reset, refresh. The cryotherapy and the ice bath is like a controlled stress state. Like I see it as kind of like a little mini Vipassana. Because you put yourself in like a stressed out state and you're like, what's coming up for me right now? Like, why do I want to get out? Like, what is the sensation that wants me to get, like remove myself from this situation right now? But on the other side, the ice bath is, and you'd know this, Frosty Fridays, baby. Yeah. Um, 
is out there. We got it. Zero degrees. <laughs> there might be there might be a different vibe at the Frosty Fridays to what I experience a lot of the time, but like because it's a bit of hype, a lot of masculine energy, a bit of testosterone flying away, double biceps, all of that. Um, it's a reset. Like sometimes I feel like I, I can go in the ice bath and I go in for five minutes and I come out and like I'm like equalized. It's like the stress has kind of melted away. I'm so present with where I'm at. I done a um a Wim Hof breathwork training in Ubud once and I ended up going under the ice for like a minute and a half, like head under, holding the breath and everything. And I felt like it was so comfortable got down there. It got so dark and it was like I was like, I could just stay here. And I felt my heartbeat just slow all the way down. And then when I came up, I was like, I was like reborn, man. It's, it, it's weird. It's, it's crazy what the ice does. And when you start to build up a bit of a tolerance to it, you can start to push and push and push. Um, it's an amazing reset and like a dope practice to really implement every day. Yeah. No, I'm with you on that. Uh, doing it um, for the Frosty Fridays. Like, yeah, we get like masculine just for the photos and stuff. But when, when someone's in the bath and they've like got in there, everyone kind of just like shuts up, lets them have their moment talks quietly and um yeah if they're in the bath and they want to talk like absolutely we'll chat but like a lot of the time people get in the bath and once their eyes are closed it's like that's it like let them go because oh. you have no idea obviously where you're going to go what's going to come up and then like later on with the shivering and the rest of it sometimes like fuck i needed that moment of mm. just like pure presence mm. under that um stress state just to fucking end the week and then you're like oh thank god it's the weekend week is over if you're working five yeah. days obviously yeah man so, yeah, so how are you feeling? Because, like, you're doing the hyperbarics occasionally. You're in the cryo. You're doing the ice baths. You're doing the hot, the sauna, all the rest of it. You've got the float tanks which you use. You've got your skill from the Vipassana and stuff. Like, what is, like, what's the difference between doing all of this stuff? Where have you noticed, like, you got, obviously, you're doing this regularly. So where, what would the difference be from doing this to not doing it? You'll cut out these uh, camera resets so we look professional and stuff, yeah? Yeah. Oh, maybe. <laughs> so we've got the um, <laughs> we've got what it's normally like doing a biohacking at the moment with all the stuff that you're doing, biohacking week. And then what would it be like if you didn't do any of those with all the work that you're doing? Because if you guys don't know, obviously, Mikhail's just gone over like his work routine and how neck, neck level it is and they're going to be high performing all the time. And that's what we want to do. Um, we have so much fucking time in a day. We want to be executing effectively to be making the difference that we want to do. So yeah, what would the difference be? It's, it's hard to say, like to have like an honest opinion on it because I've been doing it for so long now and to take it all away and work, I feel like that there would never be that release. And it would like it would build up and build up and build up and like we work a lot of we work a lot of fucking hours. Um, also, I'm going to the gym like five six times a week. Like I'm playing basketball once a week as well. So like there's a lot of output. There's a lot of output. Um, so it's really hard to say because I know right now like I manage well most of the time. There are some stressful days and times when shit just comes up and. One of the things I think it's allowed me to is just deal with like a lot of that stress when it does come up. Um, what I found recently is like going through times of like a, like a small stressful state, that over a long period of time really compounds and it can come out in some interesting ways in life and how you view the world. Mm -hmm. Yep, I love that. So here's a question. If you had to move away from Bali, let's just put scenario, you've moved away from Bali, moved away from the biohacking, all the rest of it, but you had to take three things of all the stuff you're doing besides the coffee, there was three things that you had to take, like with you, what would they be? If they, they could be anything. 
Um, my first one's going to have to be my girlfriend. <laughs> besides, Selena. besides like, Selena. <laughs> I've like, when you say three, I'm like, well, I've got two dogs and a girlfriend. So <laughs> they're the three things. Or is, <laughs> if we're looking at the state of like, yeah, you know, high performance, health, fitness, all those things, all the stuff that you're using, what would be three things that you take away? Three things that I take away. A supplement's one thing. Yeah. Because right now, like, I'm using a stack similar to what you run, like the L-theanine, the lion's mane, GABA before bed as well, um, glycine, and uh, KSM 66, which is like ashwagandha. Um, that's like my stack right now. So I'd say my stack. Um, I'll take my camera. Yep. That's a thing. Like, I feel like, I'm not sure. Like, I, it, I find it really hard to be out. I feel like if I was to go somewhere, it's not dependent on what, my, what I'm bringing. F- for me, I, I feel like if I was to go somewhere, like the essentials I need, I need my laptop and camera to work and shoot and make money and just create dope shit. Um, I f- like, that's, that's not the high performance things. Like, would you take a cryotherapy? Yeah. Job? Like, what, what would be the... Oh, Yo, I can take a cryotherapy chat. Yeah, you can take us. I mean, whatever, bro. You, you want to take the cliff hilltop? Like, what are you? What are you taking? <laughs> I take. I take the squat. Like, I take all the Yogi Lab guys, man. Yeah. Um, I take them. Um, yeah, the the cryotherapy. I didn't know I could take that, but cool. Let's take it. Let's let's throw it in the bag. Um, yeah, and then my family, are like the two dogs and Selena. I'm good. That's extremely important because two things that you've just mentioned then were relationships. If you guys have seen my hierarchy, the relationships is one, two, three, four up the hierarchy. It's like the most important one because they're the things that obviously fulfill your life up and can change your life and make things the best. As we've noticed through Mikel with meeting those people, that has been like the most life-changing thing. Now, also, doing all this stuff, man, and you've done all these things, obviously we're all changing and evolving. Where do you think now after doing this stuff and achieving these things and living this like absolute passion and purpose life that you're doing, where do you think you have most transformed? I would say in relationships. Um, in, yeah, in relationships, in personal accountability, um, in like reflectiveness, um, in just like my perception of myself. Um, it's like who we are and who we think we are are just completely different things. And if you, and this is like, no, like I'm not throwing shade at anyone that works in a nine to five job or anything, but if you comfortably work in your job and go to the same gym every single day and have the same conversations with the same kind of people, your world is only exposed to a very small part of what it is. Like being from Australia, like I'm not very cultured at all. And when I start to meet all these people from around the world and I'm like, oh, that's your perception on this. That's your theory on that. Like it's, it's opened up my, like to everything that's going on in the world. Like, and I think I used to speak on when I went to high schools was, People need to understand, like, your world and the world are just completely different things. Yep. Um, so my perception on things. I love that. Yeah. A- another one would be, yo, your world is not the world. In- intention. For so long when I was trying, all these, trying to get all these businesses off the ground, like, 
I was making a lot of movement. Oh, no, I was mistaking movement for progress. And I was getting, like, I was doing a lot of things, but I wasn't getting much done. And I was so busy all the time, but the intention and the direction was off. So I just found myself busy all the time doing stuff. Um, yeah. No, I love that. Cool. Well, we'll wrap it up in a second there because that is a lot taken, everyone. I hope you've um, taken in a lot of that stuff. Firstly, is what I want to ask. I'm going to set up, I've been talking to some of my local one-on-one clients, some of like the entrepreneurial guys, and we want to set up a thing called God Week. And we want to basically, when borders and shit are open up again, we want to do God Week in Bali at the Astana and do something like next level every single day, whether it's like cold therapy one day, a whole day of meditation the next day, a whole day of massage the next day, another day of ex- executing and planning, a whole day of training, another day of pushing the limits, and then just mixing it all together at the damn end. Is that is there a chance at all that you could uh, hook, hook Corey and a couple of boys up? <laughs> Man, I would even go out and say, like, come over and, like, book a Vipassana out. Yeah, well, yeah. Like come and do a like come and do a vipassana at the Astana. Do like in in the the schedule we currently run there with the Yogi Lab. Like we're doing a ten day vipassana up to twelve hours of sits a day. You've got uh you get to do the cold bath and the spa once a day. You do two cryotherapy sessions a day. You do a float tank or a hyperbaric a day. Like if you guys really want to optimize life and like get clarity and direction and have a God week, like vipassana is like have a few few days on the other side of it to really process, digest, and like if there's some other cool stuff you want to do. I don't know if jet skis are involved in God Week, um, but like I would highly recommend that, man. Yeah, Dave who t- Dave who teaches it and facilitates it is a man who found himself in so much trauma early on in life, in the brink of poverty, and lots. Of, had a lot of suicides surrounding him in his life and his family and all that, and almost stepped away from everything to become a monk. And has sat over 150 Vipassanas and has turned his life into something where, like, he's a multi, multi millionaire and he owes all of that to meditation. And he's someone that, like, could be living any life he wants, but he's living the life of starting Yogi Lab, which is like similar to what you guys are doing now. We just want to, like, take ancient techniques and apply them in a modern day life so people can just level up and do the shit they love. Yeah, man. Like, that's essentially what we're doing. So that's my plug for the Astana and Yogi Lab. <laughs> People listening to a whole bunch of things that I do and, and all the stuff that, like, we, we go through and the work that I do with clients and all the stuff that we get around, a lot of it's all just looking at the primal ancestral type stuff that we all used to do, finding out what was extremely important and then applying it using modern-day techniques, just like getting blood tests, DNA mm. tests, um, you know, using things like aura rings, getting Dutch tests and all the rest of it, and then figuring out what you're, yeah, worrying about, and then figuring out what you actually like doing and then what you can put into your routine and then going through and learning a whole bunch of different things that we do just from taking insights in different books and using meditation and applying gratitude and figuring when we're speaking, like when vulnerable words and actions come up in our mind which aren't aligned with our best selves and then just keeping accountable with that and then using all the different hacks and the, the meal plans and the exercising and all the rest of it to really just supercharge yourself to um to really climb like the hierarchy that i got get extremely confident deal with stress properly mm. um have really good relationships earn a living and um like a financial that you financial life that you would desire finding the hierarchy and the purpose and things that you need to climb 
climb and then also making some impact back. So yeah, look, God Week sounds awesome for that. There's like a, it's kind of like at the Istana, it's like Vipassana optimized with the rest of it, and then having a couple of days either side to um, uh, a bit like God Fortnite. <laughs> you call it God Fortnite. Yeah, man. days before and after one to get ready saying to let all that stuff digest and just like chill the fuck out that sounds i mean yeah if if you're gonna come like what's seven more days oh know? right <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> i couldn't agree anymore yeah i'll be on to um the people that i'm coaching definitely to be like yo we're gonna be doing this it's gonna goddamn change your life because obviously it's changed change yours listening to this it's Mm. I wouldn't say it's even piqued my interest. Even before, like, some of the stories that you've told me, I've been like, yeah, I'm definitely going to do that. Like, that is on the cards. It's going to be happening. I'm not sure when, when I feel most cold to it, it'll happen. But I'm really vibing. Yeah. Hopefully next year when the borders open, I'm finding a cool to it at the moment and, like, extremely excited. Well, man, dude, that was huge. Before we jump off, bro, like, that last point of what you just said, like, give me give me one moment. <laughs> um, yeah. like, like, when, when you, you feel, feel cold, cold to it, I had heard about the Vipassana for years. Yeah. But then it was just like, I made a decision, like, I'm ready for it right now. Yeah. And that's like, yeah, because if you go there and you're not ready for it and you're not ready to dive in, like, you're going to leave and you're probably not going to get the experience you want. And, yeah, like, I mean, if you're ready to go right now, like, the the Yogi Lab do an online Vipassana. Vipassanaonline.com. So if you want to do that from home, like, it's guided, you get everything from there. Um, It's I We've had over 20,000 people in the last couple of sits, man. And it's, it's just, just crazy, crazy to see what this technique can do from home and in a center. Like, oh, it's, it's dope, man. It's, it's really, really cool. And I don't want to be the cheesy guy plugging shit at the end, but... Ah, but it's needed, man. The like feedback, that. the feedback and test... Yeah, the feedback and testimonials we get are unreal. It, like, reminds me, like, yeah, this is exactly why we're doing what we're doing. Yeah. Like, the, the saying, changing people's lives, I want to change... It's, like, it's so overused, but this is, like, legitimately changing people's lives yeah. in, like, what they do and how they see the world. Yeah. And it's dope, man. So if anyone wants to dive right in yeah. and they can't make it to God Week, um, <laughs> that's an option as well. Yeah. God Week sounds awesome, though, and, and I want to sign up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, bro. We'll be on for that for sure. But, dude, yeah, I absolutely love that. I love that they actually have the online function as well because I think that's so needed because I do think that a lot of people actually would prefer doing it instead of a group and sitting there with like 100 people in a room or even 10, 20, 30 mm-hmm. would just prefer to do it um, themselves. So, obviously, obviously, that coaching there is super important. So, just quickly, I had a couple more, yeah, I had a, I had a couple more notes that I got from you. Um, which was, I just wrote down the word um, perception can be everything, was the note I had. And then we are who we, um, we are who we, was, was that, we are who we are and. We're not who we, we're not who we think. <laughs> <laughs> we're not who we, th- who we are and what we, who we think we are are completely different things. Are different, different, yeah. Your world and the actual world are also completely different things. And then I wrote down in big, bold letters, intention, movement is not progress. So you can have intention, mm. but uh, movement isn't progress, which I think is huge takeaways for people that are listening. So, bro, huge thank you for you jumping up. Cool. Thank you, bro. Sharing all that crazy stuff. Um, if anyone wants to find Mikel, what's your Instagram? It's Mikel, M-I-K-E-L-E dot K. And the Yogi, yeah, the Yogi Lab at the underscore yogi underscore lab and the Astana is at the underscore Astana, I-S-T-A-N-A.
yeah, seriously check that out because the Yogi Lab also just put out awesome content, um, especially with Vipassana and meditation and things. So like, and they even have like things in their stories with meditation. It's good to follow them as well and look at their stories because then every now and then you have like, take a breath, take a minute right now. And I watch this and I'm like, yeah, all right, I need to tap in. <laughs> like, I need to take a second. I'm yeah. stuck on the scroll right now. So it's actually really handy you guys do that. And look at this, Dana, because the place is absolutely goddamn cool. You should be like, what is going on? Here, I didn't even know this type of place existed. So, Cole, thank you, bro. Catch <laughs> <laughs> you. Awesome, man. I'll see you later. Thank you so much for getting this far into the podcast. As a token of my appreciation for the loyal listeners, you can get a $50 discount of your first month inside the Set the Standard community. That'll help you double your business and reprogram your mind. We have two live group coaching calls per month, eight modules and challenges, and an exclusive network where you can meet all the men who are setting the standard in here. Please use the code PODCAST, capital P-O-D-C-A-S-T, to get the first $50 off of your first month. Can't wait to see you guys in there.